Hey, Clan. Molecule is our only choice for our studio because it's the only air purifier that actually destroys pollutants like bacteria, viruses, mold, allergens, and airborne chemicals instead of just collecting all of them on a filter. And trust me, we need it because we got little kids running around here, especially in our studio, and we don't mess around. (laughs) And Molecule makes this revolutionary technology available to consumers so that others can experience the life-changing effects of clean air. So for $75 off your first order, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. That is Molecule.com. And at checkout, enter the code OutlanderCast. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to OutlanderCast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Everybody, how's it going? My name's Barry Larson. My name's Blake, and I am officially sad. <sighs> officially sad because we are now 100% officially in Droughtlander. We are. But the great thing is, guys, is that you have an optimistic host here on this podcast <laughs> running and, and the ship <laughs> of Outlander cast. And we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep bringing you content throughout Droughtlander on the blog, on the podcast, in the clan. And today is one of those things. And you know what we love to do in Droughtlander? What's that? We love to do interviews. Interviews are the best. They really are because... They give you that extra little insight into the people who made this show possible. So today, we're going to be breaking you a really great interview, and I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm pretty excited about it. So you know what? Let's just stop wasting time. I agree. And let's get right into it, shall we? Let's do it. Joining us today is Sarah Lee MacArthur, who is a mixed-race actress from Saskatchewan, Canada. She began acting at the age of 12 and has since lived, trained, and worked in such locations as Vancouver, Toronto, New York, L.A., and the U.K. She's appeared in many projects, including Hardcore Logo 2, Arctic Air, and Friends from College, but we all know her as Joe Yeun from Outlander. Sarah Lee, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on OutlanderCast today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem. So, I, I have to know, Do you did you know about Outlander, the book, or the TV series before being cast in the show? Like, did you watch it? Did you read the book at all? Were you, uh, were you even aware of this Outlander phenomenon? <laughs> I was aware of it, but I hadn't really delved in, to be honest. I knew of it, and I knew it was probably something I would enjoy. Um, but yeah, I knew people that that did really love it, um, and uh, do still, I'm sure. But like at the time, <laughs> you know. Um, so it was like... Um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of one of those things I had to uh, binge a lot <laughs> before <laughs> I went out there. But um, not that that was a bad thing. I guess I love the show. Mm-hmm. So. 
Definitely binge worthy. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, did you binge all of the episodes? Did you just binge like most of season four? Or, no, you actually uh, uh, season three, rather. Sorry. Right. I'm actually still in season three right now. Like, obviously, some of the things that happened in season four, I know because I was in an episode, <laughs> but I don't think it gives away everything. So I'm still looking forward to catching up. What was the impetus, actually, for you auditioning in Outlander? What, what's how, how did this all come about? Well, I have an agent and I do get to audition for some large scale things, usually when they have something to do with my Native American heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, they were specifically looking for Canadian uh, First Nations people. I never really understood why exactly, but I'm assuming it has something to do with uh, visas and maybe like, you know... um, with with unions and stuff like that sure. um but anyway so i was in toronto recording an audiobook and i found out about the audition and we'd already seen this like uh casting notice go out that they were looking for extras from all across canada and it was a big casting notice and they wanted to make sure that every single person actually was what you guys call native american we we say first nations but like basically indigenous north american um and so i was like oh this is really interesting like i wonder if there's any speaking roles so i did ask my agent about it but like uh basically just had to wait until something came up and i auditioned for two speaking roles at different times First one was the one that I ended up booking. So I was actually really happy about that. And then the second one was um, the Cherokee heel or Cherokee translator. Oh, okay. In the other episodes. Yeah. Excellent. So you're, you're happy with what you ended up getting then, obviously. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> I didn't know that it was going to be the, you know, the second to the last episode of the season. And I didn't know what the ending was going to be because my audition was just of the first scene. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. You, you, so hold on. Time out. Time out. You didn't know that your character was going to be jumping into a a flaming pyre. Yeah, that's correct. I did not know that. It was a surprise in the reading. But I was like, I was like, oh wait, oh okay. I see why I only get one episode. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. incredible. So you do you do your reading right in, in your reading. Let's 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 just call it that. Uh are the scripts like are they mailed to you how do you even get that do you have Um, to go to scotland to find out that you're gonna die in a flaming pot in a a flaming uh you know death no they sent us the scripts it is secret we signed an an nda which is pretty standard now so i guess they just trust us not to post it anywhere because they will sue us (laughs) we do (laughs) um but yeah so it, it was all digital um i can't remember if it was password protected it possibly was so you get the role right and i imagine mm-hmm. you probably got a, a phone call from your agent or you know i'm not sure how you, how you deal with your agent but let's just say that you get a phone call mm-hmm. you get the phone call you get the great news you hang up the phone what's the first thing you do do you like do you like pop a bottle of a champagne or what what do you do i was um at a a reading or workshop for a theater company Mm -hmm. and um, we were on lunch break and I actually had booked another role on a different like a different project Mm -hmm. earlier that day and I was kind of hoping when my agent called me that he was calling about Outlander because I knew I was on hold for it Mm -hmm. 
But he called me about another project, which was great. But I was just like, oh, God, I really wanted Outlander. And then I'm like, don't think about it. Don't think about it. And then um, I went back and sat down. And, and then I saw my phone vibrating from my agent again. And I was like, oh, another call. I was like, well, it's probably just something to do with the other thing. Then I like listened to the message. And he was like, call me back. And he said, you know, well, turns out you booked Outlander also. <laughs> so this gives us the, your your day. Like everything's coming up to Sarah Lee's today. I was like, I was like, oh, great. Which one? Because <laughs> I didn't know which part. And then um, he told me it was Joe Yang. And I was like, oh, yes, that's the one I wanted. <laughs> so what about Outlander specifically? Um, like you said, you really wanted the Outlander part. Was it because it was such a major role for you? Or was it something that you read and you were like, this this just makes sense to me? Um, well, I knew it was a large scale production. And I've always been a fan of different uh, series on stars. In the past, and um, yeah, so I, that that part was exciting—a big American production, even though it's shot, it's shot in Scotland, and they're bringing Canadians over. But it still stars U.S., you know. Um, and so for me, that's a big stepping stone in my career because most of my work has been um, in Canada, and um, and then uh, it was just written really well. They wanted the character to speak. French and Mohawk, as you guys know, those are the languages Joe Yeun speaks. And uh, that was a great challenge. And I know that I, I take that kind of work very seriously as an actor. And people can't, they don't, maybe don't know how seriously I take it until, until I actually get the role. So I was just excited to get something where I could really work on it and, and do a really good job with all my skills and just learn new ones along the way. You get the role and it just, you, are you, are you coached in speaking Mohawk? Is this something that like, is it just written in you and you say it phonetically? How does that, how does that work? No, it's actually quite, it's not easy. It's definitely (laughs) not easy. Um, so this happens quite a bit to first nations, indigenous actors Mm -hmm. were asked to present something in our native dialect. Now, most, especially actors, but like most native people these days don't fluently speak their native tongue, if, especially if they're under a certain age, you know, mm-hmm. under the age of 40 or something. Um, so, and it's not like you can Google translate it or, you know, like, <laughs> and usually like, you know, the communities are quite isolated. So if you wanted to talk to someone, they would either have to coach you over the phone or you'd have to go there to really learn if you don't know. So what some of my friends do sometimes is like say lines that they've had to learn from other productions in some native language and just put the intention behind what they're saying because we've pretty much all learned the hard way that if they say like, oh, don't worry about translating it, you can just come in and do it in English, there's no way you're getting cast off of it. Especially if you're not a super well-known actor already. It's like, you know, so they want somebody that they know can handle the language. And also it just helps with their own um, imagination. Like they, the producers, you know, when they see someone speaking English and they sound modern, they're not going to think, oh, yeah, this is a person that could portray someone in the 1700s pre-contact or like, you know, like amidst the colonial era. So, um yeah, so 
there's all of that. And um, I am not Mohawk, I'm Nakota. And so I have some background in Nakota. I have had to learn other languages um, here and there for different projects, but they are all vastly different from one another. And uh, so basically that's my way of saying Mohawk is very different from anything that I had been exposed to, except that I had, you know, I had learned a few words here and there. I had a roommate who was Mohawk and I've been to Mohawk Res and I've, I've learned things along the way. So I reached out to one of my other actress friends. Her name's Devery Jacobs. She's, um, she plays Sam in... American Gods on Stars. Yep, I'm well aware of it. <clears throat> so she was also auditioning for Jo Ye Eun, and uh, I just was like, "Hey, Devery, like, <laughs> what are you doing about this translation? <laughs> Can you pass, like, hook a sister up, like, send it over?" So she <laughs> she did. She like um, she wrote out like she typed me the basically phonetics and then the Mohawk spelling, which is like a little different. It, it's just like in different syllables and, and stuff, but it's similar to English letters. And then she sent me recordings so I could practice. So, so you, you practiced, you got all the lines down. And when you get there, is there somebody there to help you, like coach you along? Or are you just kind of on your own? Yes, we had, um, they had done all the translations with a Mohawk elder named Eva mm -hmm. from Aquazosni. And um, she recorded them and sent them. And then Carol Ann is uh, the Outlander like um, dialect coach. So mm -hmm. she does all of the like the whole show with all the different languages and, and everything that you hear. Mm -hmm. um, she's from Edinburgh, and um, she she was very happy to find out that I could. Speak uh, understand phonetic transcriptions mm -hmm. from the international phonetic alphabet. So she, I was like, she's like, if I sent you that, would you be able to read it? I was like, Oh yeah, I'd definitely <laughs> be able to read it. In fact, I prefer that, you know, because it, it's so much more specific than trying to say like, Oh, when you see this a, it's the a like an apple, not the a like an awkward or, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. Um, so, so yeah, she was there and she was on set with us the whole time. Eva was on set as well at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, um, we definitely felt like we were in good hands. So it feels like your popularity, uh, it, it, it is, it's skyrocketed. I mean, th <laughs> luckily, thanks to your incredible performance, and we, we talked about you really wanting to be on Outlander and, and getting this particular role. And since this has happened, since the mm -hmm. since the, the floodgates have opened and you, your incredible performances has come about, are you seeing doors open to you that either weren't done yet or you just didn't even anticipate yet? Um. Well, I, I mean, there's all the followers, which are kind of great. And yeah. I was like, how do you get more followers? I was like, oh, that's how. <laughs> um, Just be really kick-ass at my job. Right? And the fan art and people, um, one of the most uh, welcome things is when people from the First Nations community have reached out and said how much it means to me, uh, to them that like my work and just seeing that, you know, I put hard work in and it paid off and I followed my dreams and, and that's really a big reason why I do what I do. I also had, um, a Mohawk woman, uh, send me a message 
saying, you know, I, I am a Mohawk speaker and I could understand everything you said wow. on there. So thank you so much for doing, uh, for working hard and, and giving us like g- giving Mohawk people like a spot, a place in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's great. Cause that, that's the most like meaningful compliment I could really hope for, for all the work that I've done, because obviously there aren't that many people that are going to understand Mohawk, but the, it's people like her that I, I know like it really means something too. And it means something to me too. And, and all of our indigenous dialects um, should be accurately represented whenever possible, because who knows how much longer they're going to be around. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as far as uh, career stuff, we'll see. Like it's not like instant overnight in that way, but um, it has been really fun. Um, my IMDB star rating <laughs> is higher than it's ever been. And I'm like kind of inching towards the tops of my agents and managers rosters. So nice. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you're going to answer my calls. <laughs> what was it like to see the set of the Mohawk Village in person? And, you know, of course, trying to create that authentic feel for yourself. And did you find any surprises on the set when you got there? Well, it was really quite amazing to walk into. It just really felt like you were almost like, Avalon or something you like you just walk in and then all of a sudden you've been transported back in time and you're like (laughs) looking around and everyone's in all in costume and some of them you know but they look different Mm because their hair and outfits are different um and the water and you know it's really great and then um there's that sense of community as well which native people kind of easily fall into anyway. And then the fact that there were so many connections of people that knew one another, that it did become, it felt like a real village of people, you know, and on set, like that's how it feels when you're, you're on a show too, you know? And so the, the crew really was part of that feeling as well. Um, and yeah, there were some really like really great details. Um, just basically that there was like smoke coming out of everything. Oh, like yeah. like they had like random little, but it, they weren't like live fires, but they had like smoke coming out of things. Like there was some live fire, but it wasn't like actually burning wood. It was it was flame bars underneath mm-hmm. somewhat. Um, and then the surprises were, you're like, oh man, this looks great. And then you step on it and you're like, wait, what? And you like push your foot on it and it's, it's basically foam <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, it's a set. This is set deck. Like it looked like real na- nature, wow, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it was like a mound with like grass on it and rocks. And I was like, this isn't what, <laughs> like, you know, don't and really then, step on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess while we were, so Jan Tual, who played father Alexandre, he and I, you know, had a lot of work to do, (laughs) (laughs) crying and burning and that kind of stuff. (laughs) Uh, And so they would put everyone else on break while we had to do like our close-ups and, um, you know, sometimes we had really emotional stuff to do. Um, So they were like kind of bored. So they, they found some more of the set pieces that were not real. Yeah. And they found like rocks and, and sticks like kind of log things and they started like doing um 
kind of like fake like um, stage fighting things <laughs> with each other and making videos of them. I so you it. might have seen a couple of them online. Greg um, Ojek, Gregory Ojek, he is the one who masterminded it. He has a background in wrestling, so he can really like sell those hits. And, yeah. <laughs> and then great. they put it all in slow motion. And Richard Rankin was right in there. And yeah, it's really hilarious. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned Rick Rankin and, and, and I, you also talked about having this big community feel mm. there with with first nation members and and please tell me like obviously you know rick as roger goes through the gauntlet please tell me that you guys gave him a figurative gauntlet at the very least you just like like maybe like you gave him some good ribbon or you, or you made fun of him somehow i just oh he definitely made fun of him a part of me felt a little bad because i couldn't tell if he was taking it seriously or not because i was just kind of jumping on the bandwagon yeah yeah, yeah I, even our director was making fun of him and i would just be like yeah <laughs> you know? and he's like why are you being so mean to me you too he's like you're the only nice one like you know so it, it, yeah, it was it was it was all in good good yeah. humor though. Yeah, oh, yeah, and we course. had a great time. You just yeah. go over there, call him like a big dork. You know, no, like you no. dork, get out of here. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> what was it like um, with the Outlander crew? I mean, they're putting this whole thing together. They're doing the sets, and, and you're, you're you're receiving coaching. You know, did you really feel like they were doing? You know, the Mohawk. And, and their traditions and, and, and the sets and like the just the the actual feel of everything. Do you think they actually gave it real justice in your opinion and, and from what you know and, and what you respect out of it? Uh, yeah, I think they did a very good job. There was a lot of research that went into it. I spoke to the costume ladies. They'd been working over the course of the past year, like since they wrapped um, the year before. And they got in touch with the Mohawk elders like several months before. And then again, like a few months, they had contacted the elders the year before as well. And then again, closer to the actual shoot. Um, and they sent us a PDF of Mohawk uh, cultural differences from what like things we might not know and that they wanted to incorporate because a big part of that episode is that Richard's character doesn't know that he's offending people. And there are things like that. Yeah, you don't point. Um, you don't look at people in the eye if you respect them. Like, if you respect them, you don't look at them and you, like, <laughs> keep your ear toward them, you know. But if you look them in the eye, that basically means that you don't respect them. Yes. Wow. So there's lots of little nuances like that that people like a, like someone from another time and another culture wouldn't get. Um, and so that's that was and the interruption, like don't interrupt people. Was so. there any aspect of oh here I go I start to interrupt. Look at me. Yeah, yeah, good job. No, no, no. I'm done, I'm done. I kind of <laughs> no, do yeah. like the, the linger on sentences. No, you're fine. <laughs> uh, were there any aspects of your costume that um you know you really enjoyed or, or other people on um you know, on the cast that you got to see, of course, on the screen that you would want to point out that, you know, something that really caught your eye or the way something felt. I think, okay, so my costume was great. I, I loved it. Um, we kind of loved this whole like woodlands uh, leggings thing. And uh, luckily for us, there's like no corsets or anything. <laughs> so 
the weather was great. So we were quite comfortable, you know, we didn't have any big like costumes to kind of, you know, and everything, everything was just really good. Um, the guys, like one of the things I really enjoyed about the Mohawk warriors is that some of them had coats that they had obviously like got from people that they'd warred with, or they could have traded for them, but they had like an English coat and another one had like a turquoise like coat from like European style coat, you know, and they were rocking it like Mohawk style. That was such, that was really cool detailing. And I don't really think that I've seen that in other productions. Did you get a chance to take anything from set? You know, it's just, you know, a secret just between us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, I should have just grabbed a fake rock or something, but um, (laughs) no, I, I just have my little like thing that says Joe on from my door. Okay, we're going to take a quick break real quick to talk about our fantastic sponsor. So this episode was brought to you by Molecule. And what is Molecule? It's a company that has made this air purifier that replaces about 50 years old antiquated technology. I mean, imagine this. Imagine if your phone was the same as it was in the 1940s. Like, you know those, those... dial-up, not, not dial-up, but like the spin phones that you yeah. had to like spin up to get going? Mm, yep. Yeah. This is exactly when the technology you were using to clean your air was developed. The last major innov- innovation in air purification was in the 1940s Hold up. during World War II with this HEPA filter, right? Stop. So Molecule finally introduces a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at the molecular level, thus the name Molecule. Okay. Its technology goes beyond the HEPA filtration to not just capture, but completely destroy the full spectrum of indoor air pollutants, including those 1,000 times smaller than the HEPA air filter can track. And Molecule actually makes a meaningful impact for asthma and allergy sufferers, and in a study for many allergy sufferers presented at the American College of the Asthma Allergy and Immunology, Molecule's technology provided dramatic and statistically significant sustained symptom reduction within a week of use. And the results have transformed lifelong allergy and asthma sufferers' lives. One customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. What? So this is effective, and it's been verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. So again, for $75 off your first order, visit Molecule, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and at checkout, enter the code OUTLANDERCAST. We get this big moment um, mm-hmm. uh, of that you're going to portray, and and that is you're you're holding the baby and crying, the tears, and the whole thing, and you're you're looking at at Father Father Alexandra, and you're like, it, it, and all these things are are running through your brain. I imagine just as a character, what is that whole process like? Like. I would love we're to not know. actors, yeah. So yeah. neither of us are actors, and like we're just two nerds in our studio. Like <laughs> what you were able yes. to do, and yeah, what 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 is the process in that especially raw moment that made all of us viewers cry along with you? Um, yeah, like what what did you have to feel? Like I what do? did you have to do? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny because I've I've had a couple of dramatic. Uh, parts in the ba- in the past that were in like period dramas and the, actually my very first 
show ever. I'm going to make this into a really long story. So sit back and enjoy. <laughs> <Can't wait. laughs> yes. Uh, so my very first job ever, I actually played the daughter of Carmen Moore's character. She's um, the lady who played Wakantiosta oh. that, that was in last night's finale. Yeah. Um, so uh, in, this, in the end of that, that um, project, it was called Revenge of the Land. Um, somebody stabs her in front of me and I freak out and then I like throw a rock and like all this stuff happens and, and some people die. And <laughs> so I had that and that took like two days of filming and there was a lot of moving parts. There's all these horses and wagons and, you know, like old guns and, um, all of that sort of thing. Uh, oxen even, I think oh, they wow. had, yeah, they had mules and yeah. Um, so yeah, so there was that. And then, uh, you know, a few years later I did one by the same director, his name's John N. Smith. Um, and it was a CBC miniseries called the Englishman's boy. And at that one, I die in a fire at the end. Stop. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Stop. Uh, so I had this very dramatic, like, end where I'm, like, screaming in the fire and I want to, like, yeah. And then the boy, like, shoots me so that I don't have to die this horrible death <laughs> pain of slowly burning. So it's a, it's very similar, you know? <laughs> so when I read it, I was like, darn it, I'm always following those white boys into the fire. Typecast for fire. I, I feel like you right. cornered the market on, on, on like, dying uh, in fires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, hmm, that's interesting. So so, uh, so, so I knew I was capable of capable of doing a good job, mm-hmm. and I was very excited that it was going to be on a production of this caliber because I've never seen that kind of um, special effects. And I think just with all the fire everywhere and the stunt doubles and the, like me and Braden Clark were like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> yes. We were just like, I've never seen anything this cool. It's so cool. So um, I guess those two days, like as much as it could sound grueling to like have to hold a baby and cry and <laughs> die for two days, straight, um, it, it was, actually went by quite quickly because there were so many moving parts that had to play. Mm-hmm in it and uh yeah so for me a lot of it is um just what's going on with the scene uh, it's really easy to to empathize with somebody who's that much in love and like is losing someone she loves like right in front of her um the babies you know they really help ground you there were, I say babies cuz there was two they were twins oh sorry. Um, yep. yeah yeah and, uh, and yeah, they really help ground you and keep you present. And they also give you something to do and interact yeah. with, you know, so, <laughs> so everything's like right there. And then, yeah, when you have like that much crying to do, like sometimes you have to think about something like in the, in the far away shots, like I have to think about other stuff that's going to make me cry. Cause I'm like running out of juice over here. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So then that's when like, you know, past experiences play a role in all that like emotional memory stuff. Mm. Um, and you get to kind of like, you know, test your acting skills. <laughs> You're like, now what can I think about that's going to make me yes. cry? Yeah. Um, I so almost want to test you right now. No, no, no. <laughs> right? Do you no, ever get like dried up? Like, yeah, do you ever like run out of tears? Thought. 
No, I thought I would because I think that's kind of happened to me before, um, especially on that first project I mentioned when I was younger because I, I kind of let it all out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then Carmen was like, you got to save that for your close-up. And I didn't understand that concept yet because I was only 13 years old. But mm-hmm. like, um, I was like, what? I was like, no, I can cry whenever I want. And then I'm like, I kind of like ran out of tears. I was like, damn it. <laughs> she was her- <laughs> so I'm glad that she gave me that lesson. Yeah. back then and I've had um several years to play around with it and um yeah you do kind of save it for your close up and then you still have to be connected when it's further away too but it's just not as not as like specific so the close up stuff that was definitely all like what's going on in the moment and then just kind of like slowing it down and letting it each moment land individually mm-hmm. how hot was it around all this fire it was pretty hot. Yeah. It wasn't like, I wasn't sweating too bad, but if you went right up to it, it was, it was hot. I'm sure the stunt doubles would tell you it was yes. super hot. Um, okay. And that's what happened. Okay. So this is a cool <laughs> little story. So, uh, I had the stunt double. She had to do the, like walk into the flames part. Mm-hmm. And, um, they do this, uh, they like backed her up cause you can't see Right. And she has a little straw that she's breathing through, through a, um, a, a flame retardant suit. Wow. Um, yeah. With my costume on top of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just really so um, weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was super surreal to watch somebody like that looked like me from the back, like walking in. Yes. Um, and then, so yeah, so she basically like counted her steps and then stepped backwards. And then when they said go, she went. But then uh, she kind of like misstepped when she was climbing on the pyre. So she slipped and you can see it like that's made it into the cut, like which I mean, I guess it makes sense because you wouldn't be all like poised and perfect. But but yeah, so she like kind of like face planted into the other stunt double who was on fire. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) And uh, then she still finished the, you know, the like the shot or whatever and, and hugged him and. And then later I saw her in the bathroom and she had second degree burns on her lips. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was like, Ooh, Ooh, that's hot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were putting like burn cream on her and so stuff. I was going to say all the chapstick. Yes. You get to need chapstick for days. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, so, you know, th- there is this powerful moment and, you know, we're, we're talking about it and, I guess what I want to know from you is what do you want, you know, viewers like myself or, or my wife or anybody that's listening to this podcast, what, what, do, what do you want as the actress, the viewer to understand? What do you want them to take from what you accomplished and the story of it all and, and what, how does it make you feel and what do you want from them? What, what do you want them to know? Um, I'm really happy already with the way things have turned out. And, uh, I want everyone to know that it, it means a lot to me to have people tell me how much my work has affected them. Um, obviously it wasn't all me, right? It was a big group effort, team effort, felt like a family out there. Um, and our director was awesome and you know, that everything just was great. The whole crew, everybody, um, and that it was a really special experience for me. So I think, you know, you're, you're safe in being obsessed with a show like this because (laughs) 
it was an obsessive experience. Like I, I, it's definitely like one of the best things that's happened to me. And just like the beauty of Scotland, you know, that was like the added bonus is that we get to go out there and, um, experience it all out there and see all this like beautiful countryside and everything. Um, and I just want them to know that native people are still here and our culture does mean a lot to us. And so even though Outlander is a sci-fi fantasy series, um, I think that they did a really good job, uh, trying to include us in the narrative and that, um, that, yeah, that, that, I hope that they'll pay, they'll listen to what, because we have more to say now, you know, it's not all just in the past, like sure. we, we're still here. Yes. So, Actually, yeah. I would love to know your actual, your personal take on the choice that your character makes. Is it something that you believe she would have done? Like actually putting the baby down and, and, and walking into that burning flame and, 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 and moving forward and, and what I would imagine she would believe in afterlife with that, with, with that, with Father Alexandra? It's a very, um, it's a very beautiful, but sad and like hard to comprehend choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially, um, so to me and other like Mohawk people have, have, uh, agreed that like, you know, a, a, a Mohawk woman wouldn't leave her child and mm. go do that. But I was like, okay, well, how do I have to make this work for me? You know, and yes. I've, you know, if you've experienced depression over anything, um, or just like, yeah, like true love, what you feel is like your maybe your first big love in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it can make you do some crazy things and not everything is like, oh, well, everyone would act this way or wouldn't act this way. Cause people do all sorts of things. Like, like people with beautiful lives commit suicide sometimes. And you're like, from the outside, you're like, oh my God, how, how, how would you ever do that? Like, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, so the human psyche, uh, isn't anything that we can really like quantify and say like, there's a certain equation that happens. And I, um, I just believe that she truly, truly loved Father Alexander and she believed that her child was going to be okay in the care of her villagers, her fellow mm-hmm. villagers, and um, that she was going to be able to be with him. And that's what she really wanted. And she she was true to what she wanted, regardless of what her community would have wanted or um, what anyone else would have told her was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And with with that in mind, it, it, you know, it it feels like it was written in a way that, you know, it was supposed to help facilitate uh, a change in the character of Roger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what what do you feel uh, as the person who played that? Uh, what do you think that change was? What 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 was that change that was facilitated in Roger? Do you think that was able to help him grow his character? Um, I think that he was able to see that you should just stay true to who you are and your ideals and that love really is that powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just something that idiots do. It's not just like, you know, it's a real thing and it affects people's lives. And, 
you got to take a chance because you might not have another day, you know. There's a lot harder things to do than than try to run away or dig a hole. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you talked about being in Scotland, of course, and this show in general has inspired so many people to go visit Scotland. Um, and they be, you know, they're able to plan tours, or we can dream about it. What was the hardest? part about filming in Scotland? Was it the traveling to it? Did you, um, I know that you just gushed about how much you loved visiting it, but was there anything difficult about filming in Scotland? Um, hmm. I don't know. There were just, it was nothing really difficult. It was like, just, was the weather um, agreeable for you or the weather was agreeable. I'm very much like a, a, a world, a globe trotter. Like I love, I love, I'm an adventurer. So I, I loved all aspects of it. I mean, I guess the hardest part for me is that I try to eat gluten-free and I'm dairy-free. <laughs> so uh, my diet kind of went to the birds while I was there. I was just like, ah, haggis and scotch. How about that? But um, so not that that's something to complain about. Like, you know, I just wouldn't be able to eat like that uh, for the rest of my life. But I could do it um, – well, that the, they're filming. I think um, for some people, the food might have been a little too different for them to really feel comfortable enjoying. And um, I think a lot of people came around and like, you know, there were two of us that were all about the the black pudding and wow. the haggis. And, yeah. and the other two were like, or everyone else at the table were like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> you we're like, it's delicious. I love it. <laughs> when in Rome, when in Rome, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. The light stays out really long in the summer months in Scotland. So uh, there, there was light until like two, three in the morning. Oh, wow. And uh, people were at the bars till like four in the morning. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, they were pretty loud about being at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, some people had some trouble sleeping, I think, between the light and the, uh, the screeching. <laughs> but um, I was fine with it. I thought it was great. Well, uh, where else uh, can we find you on social media? And uh, do you have a website? uh, What other projects do you have coming up? Where can all of our listeners just (laughs) find you and see more of you? That's right. Um, Well, okay, let's start. Uh, At Sarah Lise MacArthur is my handle on Instagram and Twitter. So that's with no hyphen. So it's just S-E-R-A-L-Y-S-M-C-A-R-T-H-U-R. And... uh, Facebook.com slash Sarah Lee's fan post stuff on there often. Um, and then my IMDB page, you can find me on there and I have a website. Doesn't that help you? Like, doesn't it help if people like go to your IMDB page, just like, yeah, like bumps up your Google search rating, but in IMDB. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's a star meter. It's so fickle and it's so silly that it doesn't really mean anything, but like it does kind of, you know, so I'm like, I definitely took a screenshot of of my star meter this week. I was like, yes, Um, it went up higher than I thought. I was like, ah, I was not expecting that. That's great. <laughs> and then awesome. uh sarah is my website okay so what am I, i'm doing a play in portland at portland center stage in oregon uh called crossing nisos and the storyline uh goes back and forth in time so Ooh. you know outliner people might like it do you burn um, in a fire that's the real question 
<laughs> not, not so far. Yeah, not so far. On stage, that's a bit harder to yeah. do. Um, but yeah, so so it goes back and forth in time between uh, the uh, Lewis and Clark expedition time and the Standing Rock protest. Um, and then, uh, right now I'm on friends from college season two, episode three, about eight minutes in, I have a pretty fun scene. So if you guys have Netflix then check it out. Um, and then I have a film called robbery, which I have a, a very like large, like the largest female role in, and that is doing the festival circuit. So just keep your eye out for that because it probably will be on some streaming sites soon. I'm assuming because um, we have distribution, we're just still doing festivals. But if, you, if it's at a festival near you, then go check it out. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I have quite a few like smaller like roles in in um, different projects that will be coming out. Um, one of them is called Monkey Beach. Another one is called. The corruption of divine providence, and uh, yeah, that's all I can think of right now. Nice. <laughs> Keeping busy, that's for sure, and that is amazing. Yeah. So, uh, one thing: the Oregon dates, the the theater that you're you're doing, um, the time travel thing. Oh, so that's uh, April is when we open, I think, and so we close around May fifth. So I think it opens mid-April. Nice, and then closes May fifth. Yeah. Break a leg in that. That sounds really fun. Thank you. We'll make sure all Thank the Outlander nerds go there and check yes. you out. Yes. Yeah, I heard that some already bought tickets, so yeah. I was really excited about that. I was like, this is going to be so great. There's a lot who live around there, so that's why I wanted to make sure that they would know the dates, because if they if they do, if they live nearby, yeah, I want to check I it out. Someone said April 13th. I think that's the uh, when it Wonderful. opens or the previews start or something. Excellent. And what was the name of it again? Crossing Nisos. So it's M-N-I-S-O-S-E. Excellent. Well, yeah. thank you again so much for taking the time to come chat with us. Uh, honestly, your portrayal in the episode of Providence was downright phenomenal. And one of the best things that we've we've been able to say is that we didn't know your character. And yet we were able to feel so many emotions and cried all the tears. Mm-hmm. So you did an amazing job, especially for a one episode character to be able to really captivate the Outlander audience the way that you did. So phenomenal job. And thank you for coming and chatting with us. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for all your kind words. I really appreciate it. Sarah Lee MacArthur, everybody. Woo-hoo! That was a great conversation. Really enjoyed her. She's she's a peach, man. She was, man, and you know it was just a great, just just a great conversation overall. Like, like I remember when we started talking about it, I, I was I was a little insecure just because she she played such a pivotal role in um, the penultimate episode, but I mean it was a small role. So like, how are you going to be able to to really dive deep in into that into that that small but pivotal role and, and really get some good value out of it? But I'll tell you what, she, she was awesome. She nailed it. I mean, as I said, I cried, and it's like I don't even know you, but I'm crying for you. Like she <laughs> was able to really bring about so much emotion in the Outlander audience in such a short amount of time. So well done, Sarah Lee. I mean, even talking well about done. like how she like could like run out of tears. Like yes. I didn't even know that was possible. Like how do you run out of? <laughs> But if you, I suppose if you cry for two days straight, I imagine it's probably possible. I agree. I agree. So make sure you do follow her on all the social media that she just talked about. And yes, all I'm putting out the call to all the... Go check her out in Portland. Go check out her play and uh, give support to uh, a fine actress that is uh, part of our Outlander family now. So, Marvin. Yes. As much as it pains me to say, are you ready to close out? This first episode of Outlander Cast you during bet. Droughtlander. <laughs> oh, 
All right, let's do it. So, of course, we're going to keep bringing you content all all Droughtlander long, my friends. And we want to thank those of you who are sticking by us. Sticking by us, especially as patrons. The Patreon community at OutlanderCastClan.com is going to continue to have extra content throughout the Droughtlander season. We are actually going to be doing a mini-series about Hamilton. A lot of you have requested it, so it's going to be available for the patrons at the clans mid-level and up. We haven't yet recorded it yet, but just so you know that's coming. We want to give a huge thanks to our associate producers, Angie Carolyn, Celine, Cheryl, Dawn, Diane, Heather, Jeffrey, Jennifer, Larissa, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, Patricia, Siobhan, Summer, as well as our co-producers, Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Deanna, Janet, Jenny, Keelan, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Radel, Rita, Sharon, Sue, Tara, and Tina, and our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Katie, Kirsty, Martha, Peg, Sarah. Thank you guys so much. And we also wanted to make sure that you follow us, Mary and Blake, and all of our other adventures that we're doing throughout Droughtlander. You can catch us at maryandblake.com. And you can see all the different podcasts. And there's, again, there's even a rumored Game of Thrones podcast. I'm just going to say that it's rumored right rumored, now. yes. And I can neither confirm nor deny it's, it's you know, it's complete accuracy. But it's it's been floating out there. It's rumored. Uh, you can also follow us at This Is Us 2, uh, where it's a podcast dedicated to This Is Us on NBC. Again, you can find all of that at maryandblake.com, but on social media and YouTube and all everything you can find us, just look at the handle Mary and Blake. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. It's all it's all there, Mary and Blake. It's because we're awesome. That that's what that's what it comes down to. Huge shout out to the rest of the crew at outlandercast.com, Ashley, Janet, Kendra, Anne, Bobby, Denise, Nikki, Andre, Karen, Tammy, Tara, Marlo, Donna, Lisa, and Rachel. You guys have been amazing help this entire season. You've created a great content, really cultivated a beautiful community. So thank you so much for everything that you've done. And let's keep on rocking it through Dreadlander. One other thing you can do for us as well is Go tell a friend that we exist, that this podcast exists. Yeah, you know better yet, that Outlander exists. Because as popular as it is to us and all the other nerds that are out there, there are just a bunch of people that don't know what Outlander is. Shame. And yes, that is that is a shame. They deserve the shame bell. But tell a friend that Outlander exists. Tell that the, tell them that this podcast exists, and say, hey, we listened to this great interview with this lady who is Sarah Lee MacArthur, who played this pivotal role and was amazing. Check out, check this thing out. You're gonna like it. We want to thank Bethy Poo Four, who on uh, iTunes said, I recently started listening to this podcast. I loved it so much. I went back and listened to all of the episodes. You will adore Mary and Blake's sweet and charming voices. They really oh. are fans, but I love the critiques too. Listening to this podcast has totally enhanced my show watching experience. I just wish my husband and I. I could hang out with Mary and Blake in real life. <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday, Bethy Poo. Maybe, Maybe the next someday. finale party. You never right. know. That's you right. Never know. Well, until next time, folks, my name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. Outlander Cast.